This is The Drive with Larry Hardesty Podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Everybody on? Good. Great. Grand. Wonderful. This is The Drive with Larry Hardesty. No yelling on the bus. Unless you're yelling in celebration if you're the Jets leaving Washington. Good Sunday evening, everybody, and welcome to The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. Hardesty alone with Joel and Yasiel. Taking you through a weekend. Yassel, I'm sorry. Yassel, I'll get it right. He rolled his eyes again, didn't he, Joe? I know he did. I know he did. (laughs) Jets win 34-17 over Washington and a lot of good things for the Jets today. A lot of good things. First of all, once again, they started out with the opening drive where they marched down the field. That's a good thing. Second thing, the defense played better. Got sloppy late which you expect because you're playing a prevent defense. You're playing not to get beat deep, even though there was an amazing catch deep that they got beat where May lost out of battle with the receiver. But for the most part, the defense was solid. More sacks. Jamal Adams continues to flash off the screen. So he's done a tremendous job. The offensive line today showed you some positives. The offensive line did a decent job and making sure that Sam Darnold was not pressured a lot. He had four touchdowns, which is the most he's had in a single game. So there were a lot of positives for the Jets. couple of negatives. It is just amazing that we are in week 11 of the National Football League season, and the Jet kicking game is still an issue. Mitch missed extra point. I mean, against the team that they will face next week, like the Oakland Raiders, who really want to win, who are trying to get into the postseason, that's going to cost you. But for the most part, a solid effort. And what you like, even though it was a bad decision from Sam Darnold, but just one bad decision, one interception today, he's still got to do a better job at not turning the football over. Bilal Powell, there was a Bilal Powell sighting, and if there's one criticism I would have of Adam Gase today, it would be that during that second quarter, they were running the football with Bilal Powell extremely well, and when they got near the goal line, they decided to pass the football. I'm like, you know, maybe you should continue to run it a little bit. Listen, I'm quoting Greg Buttle, who you just heard with Dan Grosso on the Jet Fifth Quarter Show. And Greg always says, you run in the red zone. I don't care if you run in between the tackles. If you run out of the red zone, that's okay. But for me, you got to be able to run in the red zone because the field is constricted against the pass when you get inside the red zone. They were running well. Let's take a couple of shots with the run before you go to the pass. That's the only criticism I would have of Adam Gase. Otherwise, I thought he did a solid job with the game plan. 1-800-919-3776. Want to get your thoughts on the Jets today? Want to get your thoughts on Dwayne Haskins? Especially from the Giant fans. What did you see from him? He is a work in progress. He's really not ready. He's getting ready. He's learning under fire. He's getting the reps going. And that's what he's got to do. 19 of 35, two touchdowns a pick. Was pressured all day. Jet sacked him six times, lost 43 yards. He made a couple of nice plays. And he will get better. The more he sees different types of coverage, the better he's going to be. The one thing you can say about him, he's got some arm. He can throw it. He can throw the football. So you like that about him. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. We didn't have 
the penalties I think that we've had before where you know we were, we were a lot more like second and six or less which helps us to where you can run it and if you don't get it you're third and one you're third and two you're third and three or you get a first down so I just think guys did a good job of, of staying ahead of the sticks Adam Gase with his thoughts on the Jet offense today as they roll 34-17 over Washington. You're listening to The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty, 1-800-919-3776. Before I tell you what, what the other thing that bothered me about the Jets today, let's go to the scoreboard of some of the 4 o'clock and 425 games. Patriots are now in the lead over the Eagles. Yes, they went to a, a little trickeration. <laughs> Yeah, they had a flea flicker for a touchdown, and then they had the two-point play. So the Patriots now lead the Eagles 17-10 with 9-17 left to go in the third. Also, in the scoreboard, we've got the Raiders over the Bengals 14-10, and the 49ers lead the Cardinals 17-16. Here's my concern. The positive for the Jet offense today, and Adam Gase is right, they were able to not have so many penalties that pinned them back. They did a nice job. Not a lot of false starts, not holding. Did a nice job. They played disciplined football for the most part, which shows you how bad Washington is. All right? But the Jets, solid today. The positive, 33 carries, 115 yards on the ground. First time the Jets went over 100 yards on the ground this season. 18 carries and 59 yards for Le'Veon Bell, 3.3 yards a carry. I know he's making an adjustment to this Jet offensive line. It is not the same offensive line he had in Pittsburgh where you could just pause and wait for lanes to open and then you go through them. You better run. (laughs) Because if there's a hole, there's no guarantee it's going to stay open long. And so he's not getting the yards per carry that I expected. And even today, look look at his yards per carry to look at Bilal Powell. He averaged, Bell averaged 3.3 per carry. Bilal Power averaged six yards per carry. And I think, you know, Bilal Power, as you know, is more of a straightforward downhill runner. He, he attacks the, attacks the hole. He's going to get through it. Bell likes to shift a little bit, likes to pause, as I mentioned, to wait to see where he's going to go. And that's not working with this offensive line right now. It just isn't. So, uh, they have to make an adjustment there. Now, from the receiving standpoint, he was good. I mean, he did a nice job in catching the ball out of the backfield, catching the ball in, in, in the flat. Uh, yeah, I like what he did there. It was much better than what they've been able to do in the past. Two passes for 33 yards along of 21. So he averaged 16 and a half yards per catch. That's what you'd like to see. As a matter of fact, one of the other things that was, uh, you saw today in the diversification of the Jet offense was Ty Montgomery got a chance to run the football and, and be in some plays. All right, so you saw a bunch of different running backs. Josh Adams ran the ball. It was Josh Adams, wow. Even he ran the ball today. So uh, you like what the Jets were able to do offensively. Obviously, you don't want Donald to turn the ball over. You're still trying to make a play. He has those lapses where he thinks he can make a play. You love the aggressiveness, but you got to be safe. 1-800-919-3776. We'll hear what you have to say. Let's go to Dave in Long Island. Dave, you're first on the drive. Hey, Larry. Uh, you touched on it in the open, you know, just about Haskins. And I find it pretty fascinating how in the NFL, a lot of these big school, big time quarterbacks are struggling. And then you look at Daniel Jones, Josh Allen up in Buffalo, even Carson Wentz, smaller school guys that were just under the radar that are really successful. I think it just goes to show you how hard it is to pick players in the NFL. 
Well, it, and it also shows you, Dave, which is a great point, and thanks for the phone call. It also shows you how difficult it is to match teams with the personnel. And when you go and you work these guys out and you work Wentz out, you work Haskins out, you work out Daniel Jones, you have to see that will they, will their offensive talents fit your offensive scheme? And that's the big question. When you, when you're bad, <laughs> there's a lot wrong <laughs> with your team which means you have a lot to do to try to get better. And so with Haskins, you know, listen, there's a lot of issues that Washington's had. They've been searching for a quarterback uh, for the past couple of years with the injuries. So now you're looking at a young man who they think will be good. He's got a big arm. He's shown you some potential. You look at what he did at Ohio State, and you like that he can throw the ball down the field. Yes, he had some talented receivers, no question. Some first-round receivers. And so he's able to march the ball, you know, in college, he's able to march the ball down the field. And you love what he's able to do. So he just has to be coached up even more to make sure that he fits what you're trying to do with your offense and your offensive philosophy. I heard uh, Nick Mangold on with um, DiPietro Canty and Rothenberg this week. And he was talking about how the center positions now in college are not ready for the National Football League. That's crazy. It's crazy. But because... College has been the whole offense looking to the sideline to see what's going on. The, you know, uh, the, it's just not conducive the way they run the football. You don't see your offensive linemen power the football as much. So many people are starting their, their offense from the spread formation that you're looking at guys who just think they, 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 they can serve, they sit back there, they can survey the field. Well, it's not like this at the NFL. It's a faster game. And so I think in college, some of the colleges, even the bigger schools, are going to have to make some adjustments to make sure that guys are more prepared for the National Football League. Spike is in Jersey. Spike, you're next on The Drive. Good evening, Brother Larry, and I'm glad I could talk to you today. One comment on the Jets, and then you know where I'm going with the second question. All mm-hmm. right? Yep. A lot of bottom feeders in, the, in all sports. Have you noticed, the, you know, we're yes. about the same age range or century age. Uh, there are a lot of bad teams in all sports, and they surface. And the Jets beat who they had to beat. You know, uh, Sam's bad throw was a bad throw, but Washington's really bad. They may be as bad as Cincinnati. Do you agree? They might be worse than Miami. But what about Cincinnati? Yeah, Cincinnati, yeah, Cincinnati too. Yeah, they're real bad. Yeah, you, they are. Get them on the schedule. You got to beat them. You got to beat them. You got to beat them. I, listen, I, we'll see. Next week's the big test for them. Absolutely. Because Gruden right now may be the coach of the year. I got to tell you, with what they for what he's been able to do and bounce back. And you remember the Antonio Brown stuff started with him, <laughs> and they've recovered. Well, they also the defensive player. They yes, got, right. So, well, Aaron Donald was it, or I forget the guy's name. Anyway, defensive player. But it was uh, listen. It was uh, the games were pretty lopsided today. So uh, I've been taking since I, you and I've been communicating. I've been taking a crash course in speaking French. Okay, so so next time that that Coach Fisdale says no threes, you're going to be able to to text him and translate how to say it in French for uh, the French prince. It's un d'un trois. So uh, it's simple. See, uh, this is the part that bothered me. For those listening, it was the last play, the next last play of the Nick game last night. Uh, as a basketball purist, and Larry's a basketball purist, as everybody knows, been in the locker rooms forever. hate to give away your age. But, yeah, it's been forever. Yeah. <laughs> and and you, you can't do that. No. I've always told you, all the years we're talking, I've always told you the toughest thing to do is close out a game at home. Yes. And, and, and my wife says, she's right next to me now, she says, they lost that game? 
You, you can't allow that. You either foul them or you don't fall. Frank fell for it. It's an old trick we learned in the gym. He fell for it, and the big guy didn't step up. And you just can't. That, that is such a bad loss. I don't know how you felt, but that stayed with me because they got him on a back-to-back, and it's an old trick. And the closeouts, we talked about this at night, late at night mm-hmm. when you're on. You and I have talked about that, Larry. The spacing. They got awful. Shooting drill. It's awful. Oh, it was awful. awful, right? You can't, I, am I exaggerating if there was... No, a- you're not exaggerating. Here's what made the loss so bad, because they showed you some potential uh, spike by being able to convert some tough offensive plays coming down the stretch. Yeah, Julius Randle made a few buckets, kept them in the game. You know, uh, R.J. Barrett made a few. Wait, wait, let's not stop with him. We got a gem there. Yes, absolutely. We got a gem there. I just think it's look. I'm a fair person. You know me well enough. Mm -hmm. I'm putting it on the coach because I don't care. We kid around a lot and have a lot of laughs. That's fine. You 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 got to get them in the huddle and grab them if you have to and say, guys, you close the three point line off. Do not allow a three point shot. If you can't not allow it, foul them. Yes, I don't understand it. Am I so off? No, no. And, 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 and that's, and that's what's so crazy about this spike. And, and thanks for the phone call. That's, that's what's so crazy about this because Julius Randle was asked by the media after the game, what did the coach say during the timeout before the last play? No threes. Duh. So then what, what does that mean? That means that, and especially that guy who had been just lighting them up from three point range all night. Again. <laughs> I mean, you just went through this this whole thing with uh, Kobe White in Chicago a couple of nights ago. All right, so here's another situation. He can't. He's not the guy to shoot. You can't let him beat you. Anybody else can beat you. Anybody else. Somebody hits a fallaway three. You know what? You just throw your hands up. Hey, you know, look, give give them credit. They got me. They did a nice job. What am I gonna do? But not him. Not the guy who's hot. Not the guy who you know is going to get the basketball. When they talked to Nilakin after the game, he said, yeah, I knew, I, we knew they were going to go to him. Well, they don't let him get past you. You can't let him beat you. As Spike Liss says, you tackle him, you do whatever you have to do. He cannot beat you in that situation. And he did. And these are situ- And here's the other thing. With time left, you knew the Knicks were not going to make that basket. You just knew. You had to feel him. That was their opportunity to win, and they didn't do it. But having said that, that game was lost earlier because there were key moments in the fourth quarter where they did not shoot the ball well on offensive possessions. It was right after Randall hit a couple of, of nice shots on a couple of possessions. Then they went through a stretch where there were some bad shots and they didn't do well. And so you knew those bad shots were going to come back and haunt them. So yes, it did come down to the final play. Absolutely. But it shouldn't have had to come down to the final play. They should have done better execution earlier. And it's a it's a continuing theme that you have with this club. Game after game after game, you see it over and over and over again. You just do. And part of it's coaching, part of it's bad execution, part of it is making making more adjustments with who is out there in the closing minutes. Some people do not deserve to be out there in the closing minutes. Nilakina has got to be out there because he is, quote, your best defensive player, unquote, at the guard position on the team. He is. So he's got to be out there. 
but he can't go for that fake. He's got to stay with them. And if, and if he gets beaten, you grab him. You have to grab him. 1-800-919-3776. Mark's in Newark. Hey, Mark, you're next on The Drive. Larry, how you doing, buddy? Great, Mark. What's up? Oh, man, great weekend. I just left him seeing my parents and uh, my brothers. Nice. and Yeah, yeah, it was really good. It was really good, Larry. Um, on... No, I want to talk about my beloved Jets. Yes, I'm going to yes, talk indeed. to him, but not not from the uh, up in the clouds uh, viewpoint because I just want to be uh, kind of recap what we were talking about the mm-hmm. other day. Okay. So here's where I'm at, Larry. I give him an A minus today. Okay. First word A, second word minus. All right, <laughs> that's pretty good. Hey, hey, the things I told you, Larry, bro, I told you that we have an identity on defense. Our mm-hmm. defense is good. I don't yes. want to hear about who we play because our defense right now, what do we do with our identity? We stop the run. When we, we stop the run. I don't care. The Raiders this week, the Raiders are going to have holy H-E hockey sticks to run the football because that's what we do. Greg did that. So that's an A. I also told you that I'm real uh, more interested in seeing how much work Adam Gaze is going to put in. Mm-hmm. I told you I wanted to see more of Sam under the center. I wanted to see more of using the different running backs. I, I told you I wanted to see the tight end. He did all of those things. What happens? We rushed the ball for 115 yards. The tight end scores a touchdown. Robbie Anderson gets a touchdown. The play action is unstoppable because we can run because we're not doing that stupid formation that I tell you so much about. Mm-hmm. The next thing I told you was I wanted to see Vincent Smith be the weapon on returning the ball. Now, granted, it didn't go like it did the last time, <laughs> but I think that he should stay with it. Do not change. Leave Vincent Smith back there because his next one might be a 100-yard touchdown return. Right, right. Um, the run, the minus part, everything else I'm satisfied with. Mm-hmm. I thought I could have saw a little bit more time Montgomery, but everything else I'm satisfied with. Here's the one thing that I took that I, I think they need to get the, the uh, lunch pail and go at mm-hmm. for this week. In the end of the game, there was about five minutes left in the game. The game was decided, okay? We had the ball in our own end of the field, deep in our end of the field with about five minutes to go. Larry, we ran the ball for three yards on first down. The time is running down. Uh And then we start throwing passes. I think we got intercepted, if I recall. Point is, that's the time when I say about Coach Gaze putting in the work because if he had, he would have knew. That at this part of the game, Larry, the time is my friend. Burn their timeouts. We have a 23-point lead. So what if we sometimes a punt is your best play? Run the football. Use your time element. And he did not do that, and I thought that was lazy, Larry. I thought it was absolutely lazy. We can't have that. I don't care who we play, but if we keep doing those things and have that identity, Changing Sam around, that throws him off. They don't know where Sam's going to be. It's awesome. You know, Mark, uh, I'm going to pick up on what you you just said. And the interception came earlier. But here's the thing. That's the opportunity, and you're absolutely right. That's when you bring in an extra lineman or you you go with your two tight ends and you say, guess what we're doing? We're running the football here, gentlemen, and you're going to have an offensive line. I need you to give me some yards. I need you yep. to give me some yards so we can eat this clock up and then take the ball and go home. And, and that's what they, that's what they need to learn to do. It's about 
learning how to close out games. We're just talking about that, Mark, with the Knicks. And here's the thing that the Jets have to now learn. On the offensive and defensive sides of the ball, they're, you're seeing them getting better. And thanks for the phone call, Mark. You're seeing them getting better as they offensively, the early plays, they're good. How they start the game, perfect. Four games, they've just marched down the field. Good. Once again, in the second quarter, though, there was a little patch where they had some adjustments that they didn't respond to right away. That still needs to be ironed out. But offensively, the execution today was pretty good. They adjusted to the different matchups. They were able to run the same play over Washington because Washington never figured it out. So that's why the tight end was such a, a valuable asset in the game today. So they, they, they did the right things there. It's closing out the games. When you play teams that are better, they are going to put pressure on you because they know what you're trying to do. Maybe a pass in the flat would have been better than trying to go down the field. Run the ball, eat up the clock. Cause as Mark mentioned, the clock is your best friend. It's not, it's, it's not, you're not playing against Washington now. You're playing against the clock and you want to eat the clock, let the clock just run. As Chris Berman used to say, tick, 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 tick. That's what you want when you have the lead. Because then they can't beat the clock. There's too much time left for, for you and not enough time left for them. 1-800-919-3776. Your thoughts on another Jet win. They're second in a row. Some of the positives. want to get your thoughts about that. Also from the Giant fans, we had one caller. What are your thoughts now during this bye week as you watched or as you've seen Dwayne Haskins so far? Did the Giants do the right thing? And right now, does it look like Daniel Jones was the right choice? You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Probably feel more comfortable. He knows what he likes. He knows what he doesn't like. He's not afraid to say it. He's taking more control of everything on the field, off the field, in meeting rooms, and in film study, and in practice. So anytime your quarterback gets like that, that's that's a good thing for us. That's Adam Gase. After the Jets win today, talking about the play of his quarterback, Sam Darnold. There's no question Sam Darnold's played much better the past two weeks. It's the drive on 98.7 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Let's hear from Sam Darnold. He was asked about the offense and the success they've had on the first drives, especially the past couple of games. I think it's just Coach Gase, you know, the way that he game plans and really for us just going out there and executing, staying in a rhythm once we get the first first down and making sure that we stay in a really good rhythm. So, Sam, as you look back, are you getting more comfortable with the offense? We're really getting a feel, you know, for the offense. And I think just getting in that rhythm and, you know, being able to understand exactly what's going on out there allows us to play a lot faster because, you know, when plays do break down and I need to get out and scramble, guys feel free to go out there and make a play. And so I just think there's a, you know, we're just playing with a lot better rhythm, but I think it's on us to just be able to go out there and execute. And I think we've been doing that the past couple of weeks. There's no doubt. And part of that, and let's be honest, part of the fact that they are improving, part of the fact that he is improving is before, is because the offensive line play has improved. And I said it last week and I'll say it again this week. We've been hard on Kelvin Beecham because at that left tackle spot, you know, we remember him against Miles Garrett where Miles Garrett had him on skates earlier in the season in the loss to Cleveland. But since he's been back, he has helped solidify that offensive line, especially from that side. Is he a Hall of Famer? No. But he is a professional, tough guy who does his job. And 
now that you're starting to get a rotation where the same guys are playing together on that offensive line, there's no question and no surprise that the offense is starting to look a little better because Darnold's got more time to look off and go through his progressions, look off defenders and see where he has to go and can check the ball down or do what he needs to do. And so obviously when we talked about him, we talked about him turning the football over and the things that he could control, which is just throwing the ball up for grabs. That's not only, that's not all on the offensive line because he could tuck it and eat it. But now that you're seeing that the offensive line is executing better, you're not seeing people come through untouched as you did a couple of weeks ago. Now that they have solidified that, now that their communication is better, you're seeing a better production, a better product from from Sam Darnold. It's very simple. And you can see the lack of communication. You look at Washington on a couple of plays. Okay, look at uh, Collins, the former Giant, who was spinning around because he had a miscommunication with the linebacker because Ryan Griffin was open on the on the play that ended up in the touchdown with the tight ends. And so what the Jets are doing is by making it easier for Sam Darnold by increasing the role of the tight end and today adding the run game, it made the play action in play. It made the offensive line have better time and better communication. So that's what you saw in better productivity from your offense. As long as they can play like this, they're okay. The question is going to be, when teams start to really put the pressure on them, have they learned from the countless mistakes that they've made in previous weeks on how to be able to block and communicate that the scheme has to change, that there's a situation where two guys are coming and one lineman can't t- defend two guys. So you reach out and you grab one and that's a holding penalty. And now instead of second and four, you're looking at second and 12, second and 14, whatever. So that is the next step. But the play of the offensive line over the past couple of weeks, there's no question. It has improved. And that's, and that had to be the case. Otherwise, Sam Darnold was going to be in very, very serious trouble. Very serious trouble. Because you can't expect your your quarterback to sit back there and take the type of hits that he was taking and still be okay. And think that, you know what, we'll be all right or we'll get out, we'll be able to move the ball down the field or we'll get him next time. No, they had to make adjustments. And I think, obviously, a good run game helps that because the run game slows down the blitz and it slows down, you know, the pass rush. So the fact that they were able to run the football today was huge. And hopefully it's something that they can continue to do because it's something they really, really need if they're going to continue to improve and have a more versatile offense. We've got 448 left to go in the game, and uh, the New England Patriots with 17 unanswered points are leading the Eagles 17-10. 25 seconds left to go in the game. The Niners looking to bounce back. They've got a 30-26 lead over the Cardinals, and we're closing minutes of the fourth quarter. The Raiders with a 17-10 win over Cincinnati. One of the games, as we look at the scoreboard, one of the games that was a marquee game that I am shocked, shocked at the results, 
was the Ravens and Texans. I mean, the Ravens, I know. Here's one thing you can notice about the National Football League. You know the Baltimore Ravens are always going to have a stout defense. They may have issues in the specific area of the defense. They may, maybe they're weak at corner or maybe they have trouble with the linebackers or maybe they're not, they're not getting the pass rush that they have gotten in previous years. But the one thing you know about the Baltimore Ravens, talking about identity, their identity is we play physical, hard nosed defensive football. And that's what they did today. They roll 41 seven over Houston, 41 to seven. Now this was a, you know, this was a battle between Lamar Jackson and Deshaun, and Deshaun Watson. And both these young quarterbacks have been phenomenal this season. They've been, they've had just great seasons. They've been outstanding. And so when you saw that, when you're looking at that matchup today, you're thinking, wow, this is going to be, this is going to be one of those barn burners. This is going to be one of those, uh, games where you know, it's going to be both both quarterbacks with over 300 yards, maybe 300 yards passing and, you know, over 100 yards rushing. And it's a it's a 38, 30, 38, 36 game near the end. But it was very, very one sided. Lamar Jackson threw four touchdown passes, ran for 86 yards. And uh, Deshaun Watson tried to run. They just they just bottled him up. They really did. They bought them up. They blitzed. They had different coverages. Baltimore had seven sacks, six against Watson. They forced two turnovers, and they limited Watson to 12 yards rushing on three carries. He went 18 of 29 for 169 yards, a lost fumble, and an interception. As a matter of fact, they were down 34 nothing before Carlos Hyde ran for a 41-yard touchdown with 7-10 remaining. So this was... uh a major statement made, in my opinion, by the Baltimore Ravens. And even though the uh, New England Patriots are winning and they're playing well with the 17 unanswered, they were struggling down there in in Philly. And they put pressure on, they put a lot of pressure on, on Tom Brady in this game. And you know that New England's defense is going to keep them in games. The defense has been phenomenal this season. Bill Belichick's making all the calls. Bill Belichick's handling the defense. He's doing a great job. And the game plans he's got, great. Great. So they're keeping them in games. It's a little surprising to see New England struggle with scoring, but when you look at their receiving core, I mean, you know, not a lot there. Not a lot there. So uh, how they respond the rest of the way is going to be interesting. But today, for me, the really, really big surprising win was the dominance of the Baltimore Ravens over the Texans in Houston. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. It's The Drive on 98.7 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Taking your phone calls on football. We'll turn our attention to hoops at the top of the hour. This here's a chance for all the fellas. Try to do what those ladies tell us. Get shot down because you're overzealous. Play hard to get females. Get jealous. Okay, 
smarty, go to a party. Girls are scantily clad, a showing body. A chick walks by you, wish she could sex her, but you're standing on the wall like you was Poindexter. Next Joel Suds and Duds in about 15 minutes. A couple of notes that we want to touch on involving quarterbacks. Colin Kaepernick had a change of venue for his workout. Remember, the NFL had originally scheduled his workout to take place at the Falcons facility this Saturday, but Kaepernick's camp switched venues following a disagreement between the two sides on the quarterback's liability waiver and media availability, among other factors. So Kaepernick and his team notified everyone of the venue changed 30 minutes before the scheduled workout at the Falcons facility. Now, the change interrupted a number of schedules for 25 teams, but he still threw in front of teams including Philadelphia, Kansas City, Jets, Washington, San Francisco, Detroit, Tennessee, and another team that has yet to be identified. Afterwards, he saluted about 250 fans and signed autographs. Uh, he threw to former NFL receivers Bryce Butler, Bruce Ellington, Jordan Vesey, and Ari Wirtz. Carolina Panthers safety Eric Reed was at the beginning of the workup. I had to leave to prepare for a game against the Falcons today. According to Alvon McClure, Kaepernick looked stronger up top than he was when he was with the Niners, appeared to impress with his accuracy, completing all but seven of 60 scripted throws. Though not all of his throws were perfect, it was a solid throwing session overall, particularly given the circumstance. Here's what the NFL had to say in a statement, quote, the league uh, was disappointed that Colin did not appear for his workout. The league said the waiver at St. Kaepernick's representatives was based on those used by national invitational camp at all NFL combines and by the NFL clubs when trying out free agent players. An NFL source told ESPN that the waiver said the trial isn't a guarantee of employment to prevent a player from claiming entitlement to a worker's compensation if there was an injury. NFL also said declined requests made by Kaepernick's camp in the 24 hours preceding the workout to have an additional camera crew record the workout and to open the session to the media. Here is what uh, let's hear from Colin Kaepernick after his workout speaking to the media on wanting transparency in the process. Our biggest thing with everything today was making sure we had transparency in what went on. We weren't getting that elsewhere, so we came out here. It's important that y'all are here. Y'all been attacked for the last three years. Y'all continue to be attacked. We appreciate what y'all do. We appreciate you being here today. We appreciate the work you do for the people and telling the truth. That's what we want in everything. I've been ready for three years. I've been denied for three years. We all know why I came out here and showed it today in front of everybody. We have nothing to hide. So we're waiting for the 32 owners, the 32 teams, Roger Goodell, all of them to stop running. Stop running from the truth. Stop running from the people. Colin, are you ready to go? We're out here. We're ready to play. We're ready to go anywhere. My agent, Jeff Nally, is ready to talk to any team, uh, interview with any team at any time. I've been ready. I'm staying ready. And I'll continue to be ready. And to all the people that came out here today to support, I appreciate y'all. All right, so let's be clear now. Here's the situation. I'm curious to hear how you stand on it at 1-800-919-3776. Do you think he did the wrong thing by moving the workout? Or he moved the workout because he was unhappy with what the situation was with the NFL? And really, when you think about it, it was a tough situation from the beginning. Because normally, and you've heard everybody's discussed it when it first came out. When it was first announced, I said, hey, great. I don't know if it'll be, if it will help a team this season. Maybe it gives a team an option to look at what you're going to do next season. I mean, after all, we're at week 11. We got five more weeks in the regular season, right? 
So the fact of you thinking that that's going to bring him in in case you're in a dire, dire situation for this season is unlikely. But I do think if you're looking at, okay, here's maybe an option for me in 2020, I think it was a good thing. Normally, as you guys know, Tuesday is the day that this goes on. Everybody's off. It's the players' day off on Tuesdays. Teams are ready to disperse their scouts anywhere to go on a Tuesday. You could walk in an NFL team practice center on a Tuesday and find four or five different people auditioning or trying out for, for jobs, trying out for depth on teams. So to do this on a Saturday was almost like, okay, we have to give him a day. We'll give him a day. We'll make it Saturday. At least he can't say that, you know, we didn't, we didn't schedule a workout. So the video's out there. He looked from what all accounts was that he looked solid throwing the football. Stronger upper body. You know, he's got the experience. I mean, this is a guy that took a team to the Super Bowl. Was he playing well in his last year over in Frisco? No, to be honest, he wasn't. There was a difference. He was a difference in the way he was being used. He wasn't, apparently wasn't happy with the offense. I mean, if I remember correctly, he was back up to Blake Bortles. I mean, he was the backup quarterback, the same guy that took a team to the Super Bowl. And we understand that, you know, there was a certain rapport that he had with the coaching staff that was there. And when they left, when Harbaugh and his crew left, it was different. We get that. But still, right now, honestly, he's better than a lot of backups in the NFL right now. So let's see what happens with this next step. It Will he be able, based on the workout, will a team invite him in? Or is it going to be the same story of, well, we would bring him in, but we're concerned about our fan base and how the fan base is going to respond to him? For me, it's about winning. For me, if you believe, as a general manager, that this person can help your team take the next step, be it this season or next season, you have an obligation to bring him in and look at him further. Look at him under your situation. Look at him with your things. Sit down and talk to him about what you expect from him if he becomes a member of your franchise. That's what you should do. He's old that. If he can produce and you've got a situation where you need to take the next step at quarterback, I think you should bring him in and give him a shot. 1-800-919-3776. Nick is in Massapequa. He's next on 987 ESPN. What's up, Nick? How's it going? Uh, so I really don't have a problem with Colin Kaepernick. Like, everything that's happened in the past, I think he has a right to protest just like every other American. But, I mean, changing the practice, because they're doing this for him now. Even though I totally agree, there is – plenty of quarterbacks that are not nearly as good as him that are starting today because of all the injuries or whatever happened with their teams. But, I mean, they're giving him the practice, which a lot of people, this is the biggest shock to anyone that he's coming back. I didn't think it was that big of a shock because he brought a team to the Super Bowl. But, I mean, to change the practice, I don't know. I heard it was because there wasn't enough media there or not enough coverage. If you make one of these teams, you're going to be on TV every single Sunday. I mean, 
it's a practice. It's not really. I saw the clips of him on Twitter. Like he still looks good. He's throwing the ball great. I mean, I just don't understand. It seems like he's just trying to make it harder for himself, and it's it sucks because there's a lot of QBs that are not up to his caliber playing today. Nick, you're absolutely right. Thanks for the phone call. I agree with you uh, in the sense of there are a lot of quarterbacks who aren't as good as he is. Apparently, he wasn't happy with the scenario. Now, for me, I will agree with you in this point. If you were going to change the venue, then why change it 30 minutes before it was supposed to happen? If you're going to change the venue, then change the venue at least the day before. You're already limited in the amount of folks who were coming out because it was on a Saturday. You had an estimated, what, 25, 26 teams who were going to watch you perform. Okay? So for me, I would have given more notice. If for whatever reason it was with the NFL, whatever disagreements you have, whatever it was that you didn't like it, I got it. But then don't wait for 30 minutes before to change the venue. Give me at least a day or at least give me a couple of hours to change the venue. Don't change it at the last minute. That's where I disagreed with it. G's in Queens. G, you're next on 9870 ESPN. This is a problem I have. One with the players and one with the player rep. Demar Smith is the worst union head ever. Why was Colin Kaepernick by himself to all, you know deal with the NFL? Where basically when he walked in, he said it was an ambush. Where the, the wording was all bad, and you know it took away a lot of his rights. I'm like, why was he on his own to handle all of this? Like, you know, like that's what the player rep was there for to make sure the NFL doesn't do shenanigans. Because from all accounts, the NFL was up to no good, and then. Colin Kaepernick, who was by himself handling this, was like, yeah, this ain't it. Why was he, you know, why, what is, because with this, the Antonio Brown, and even though you don't, people may not like Antonio Brown, there's certain things the NFL has done that has been shady with him too. And I'm like, what, what is DeMar Smith doing? Can someone explain it to me? Like, why does he even get a job? Like, and then players too. Why did the players leave Colin Kaepernick by himself? If all the players is like, yeah, you do this to one of us, you're willing to do it to any of us, so you're not going to do it to one of us. Why did they just leave him on an island by himself? Well, G, to be honest with you, thanks for the phone call. You make some great points. I think part of it was that some people were concerned once, once he settled with the NFL. I think some of the players are like, well, okay, well, since he settled with the NFL, then, you know, he's got his own deal. I'm good. That he's on his own. He'll do what he needs to do if that's the case. So I think that's part of it. Uh, I'm not real sure what was the situation with the union and him considering he's not in the NFL. Does the union still have a rep? Does, does the union still represent him? I mean, he's not in, he's not on any NFL roster. So does the union have an obligation? He's really like a free agent guy trying to get a job. So I don't know that the NFL has to be there. If you mean when it was, when he was going through what he was going through, I think the big problem was the NFL Players Association didn't have a united stand on how to deal with it because there were some players going with it and other players were not. So it wasn't a situation where the NFL Players Association and the players were on one accord because some of them didn't want to follow Kaepernick. Some of them did. Some of them didn't. So it was never a unified effort from the start. So I think that's what you're seeing, and that's the concern. Prince is in Brooklyn. Hey, Prince, you're next on 9870 ESPN. Well, thanks, Larry, for taking my call. Uh-huh. Um, I 
support Colin Kaepernick with his social issues, and I don't in any way excuse the NFL. They have been terrible on so many different levels. But it's the point you just made is the point I'm trying to make. It was a job interview. I understand it's a slightly different thing because these are NFL players. It's kind of different. But at the end of the day, it is a job interview. How do you change a job interview 30 minutes before, change the location, and then afterward there's comments to the media calling out the 32 teams of the NFL that you want to sign you? When you go for a job interview, if there is an issue that the employer you know has with you, say Josh Gordon, there's an issue with his, you know, his work ethic or his drug behavior, mm-hmm. he can't show up at the job interview with the marijuana T-shirt on. Colin Kaepernick calling out the 32 teams after in his interview after saying we're calling the 32 teams, that would be the equivalent of Josh Gordon showing up to the job interview with a marijuana T-shirt on. My point is not to excuse the NFL in any way for their wrongdoing, but it didn't look like a guy who was trying to get a job. It would look like a guy who was trying to not get a job so that he could still have a beef and a gripe. Interesting call, Prince. Thanks for your thoughts at 1-800-919-3776. I don't know if he look, if he took it that way. I think his thought process was, listen, let me just, while I'm here, let me make the statement, even though this was done on a Saturday when it's normally usually done on a Tuesday, the fact that uh, all the issues you heard about before where we wanted a list of who was coming, what teams were coming, then we didn't get a list of what teams were coming from the NFL, all those different things. Because of that, they felt that they needed to change the venue to make it more in their situation, more conducive for them. So I don't think he was looking at it and calling out the NFL owners in that sense. I just think that he wanted to change the venue because he wasn't happy with the scenario the way it was. I agree with you that it was a job interview. It was a workout. It was to show people that I still can play the game. Look what I can do. And hopefully, despite the fact that the venue changed or everything else or the video or whatever, hopefully he will get that call in that amazingly he never got. Just think about this. With all the bad backup quarterbacks in the National Football League, because of his social decision, he was told, we can get anybody else but him. Well, now he's trying to get back in the league. And it'll be interesting to see how this workout was received. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. It's The Drive on 98.7 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Four o'clock finals are in. Niners over the Cardinals by the score of 36-26. to New England with 17 unanswered points. Defeats the Philadelphia Eagles by the score of 17-10. to And yes, the Oakland Raiders, who will face the New York Jets next Sunday at MetLife Stadium, defeated the Cincinnati Bengals 17-10. to The Bengals are now 0-10. Oh, we'll continue the conversation on Colin Kaepernick in a second, but now it's time to check in with Joel Studs and Duds for the Fantasy Group. 
Joel, how are you? Doing well, Larry. We had really quite a day today with the Jets getting another W. It was fantastic stuff. So we're going to get started with this week's edition. It's going to feature a handful of names we're used to hearing in this segment, and a couple of those names actually faced off in head-to-head battles. So let's start at the quarterback position. Our stud is Lamar Jackson, a name we're very much used to hearing in this position. He went for 222 yards, four scores through the air, 86 rush yards, 33 points in the route of the Texans. Now, the dud is his opponent, Deshaun Watson. He threw for just 169 yards, no touchdowns, and a pick for a total of just four points in that blowout loss to the Ravens. You know, I tell you, as I said earlier, Joel, I was surprised that this game was so one-sided, but the Baltimore Ravens defense was on fire. They limited Deshaun Watson. You notice you don't have any run yards down here for him because you only had 12, so it was a tough day for the Texans. Yeah, it really was, and you know that's unfortunate that he ends up in our duds because he's usually a stud. Uh, another one, moving over to the running back position, another pair of names that faced off in head-to-head battles. It's Christian McCaffrey taking our stud, a name we're very much used to hearing here, 70 rush yards, but where he really made his money for his owners, 11 receptions and 121 yards. Didn't even need a score to lead all running backs today. 30 points in a loss to the Falcons. On the other side of the ball, on the winning team, is actually our dud, Brian Hill. Now, he's been a fantasy guy that who a lot of people have chased in the last week or so as he's been stepping up in Atlanta. He rushed for just 30 yards, had just one reception and eight yards through the air for only four points in that win over Carolina. You know, it, it's it's amazing. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is gaining more and more steam draw in this MVP conversation. We normally think of quarterbacks as MVPs, but right now the way his versatility in that offense, especially without Cam Newton, is is really giving him some national exposure. He's a heck of a running back, and his all-purpose versatility is going to earn him some money. Yeah, it's cool that, you know, our top, you know, MVP candidates are guys who are very versatile. You know, we're talking Lamar Jackson. We're talking Christian McCaffrey. Mm -hmm. Moving over to wide receiver now. Stud is John Brown. He went for nine receptions and 137 yards and two touchdowns. He's actually turned into a wide receiver with one of the, uh, the highest floors in fantasy football as he's had over 50 reception yards now in nine straight games. He went for 34 points in the win over the Dolphins. And my dud, Kenny Galladay, he's been a guy who's been huge this season. He went for just one reception reception in 34 yards for just four points in the loss to the Cowboys today. Wow. That, that's, that's surprising because, as you mentioned, he's really been the guy that's been almost the go-to guy uh, for them in that offense. So for him to have a, a tough day like that, that means the Cowboys' defense was focused on him. Yeah, they really stepped up today. Moving over to tight end, a name we love to hear on this station. Ryan Griffin went for five receptions, 109 yards, and a score uh, for 22 total points in that win over Washington. And our dud at tight end is a name we actually heard here last week, but we're used to hearing on the other side. Eric Ebron went for just four receptions and 27 yards for just six points in that win over the Jaguars. You know what? Eric Ebron's had an up-and-down career, Joel. It's the same situation. One week you see he's performing well. The other week he's not getting it done. He's been so inconsistent. And for the Jets, Ryan Griffin, you know what? I think he likes the fact that he's getting the football more. And, uh, you know, with the uh, with, with the injuries that's in that tight end position, he's making a statement to say, hey, guess what? Don't me the ball, coach. I'm ready. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him again in this in the stud position again this season. Absolutely. All right, Joel. Great job as always. That's Joel's studs and duds for you fantasy group here on the drive on 98.7 ESPN. Let's go back to the phones talking about Callan Kaepernick, his workout yesterday and the change of venue 30 minutes before. I don't know if I would have done it 30 minutes before. I'll tell you that. Edwards in White Plains. Hey, Edward, you're next on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, hey, thanks for taking my call. You got it. So crazy, crazy. I mean, I think it boils down to 
job interviews. You know, when people don't show up for an interview last minute, it always looks bad, right? Like, no matter what job, if you want to lose a job, play around with an interview. So you got all these people waiting for you. That's a bad move. And I think on his part, I get his why he's saying he doesn't like it. But a few things. If you want to be a quarterback, you got to be a leader. And with his, the position he's put himself in, you know, he's very polarizing, which is going to make a really good team not really want to have him. And if you want to be on a not-so-good team, the problem is they don't need distractions. Like, if you take a team with two wins, three wins, right, the last thing you need is something there to make trouble. Like, look at even Beckham and the Giants. Even if you're a great player, if you're, if you're seen as a distraction, you're done. So I think he just did himself a disservice, you know. I think he should have muscled through it. Edward, thanks for the phone call. We'll see. I mean, here's the scenario. He still had the workout. It wasn't at the NFL sanctioning position, but he still worked out. He still worked out for a number of teams who got a chance to see him up close. There's video, and I'm sure that coaches will still take a look and see what's happening. You are correct. Uh, normally, it, you sh- I would not have changed the venue, and if I did, I wouldn't have changed it 30 minutes before. Because think of it this way. You're already there 30 minutes before. Now you're like, I have to go where from here? I, no. do If you're going to change it, do it a day before or do it that morning before people are even moving and got their plans ready to go where they're going to go. So uh, I disagree with that. As far as him being a leader, you know what? It's going to really to depend on the team that he's on, the structure and the hierarchy of the leadership that's already on that team, and – what the coach sets forth as what you can and cannot do, what is acceptable and non-acceptable in that team. Here's the bottom line, my friend. And you see it throughout, despite the team, despite the sport, despite the situation. If an owner or a general manager or a coach thinks that you can win, sports is the home of second, third, fourth, and fifth chances. Okay. If they think you can produce and help them get to the where they need to go, they will give you that opportunity. So we'll see now if from what they see on the video and the clips, I agree with one of the early callers. It looks like he's stronger upper body. He could do the ball with accuracy, but you need to see more. That was just, it was pretty good what he showed you. But is that enough to open the door to let other teams come in to bring him in for a workout or Will nobody call again? And did he give them a reason not to do that by changing the venue? Did he give them an excuse by changing the venue 30 minutes before for some teams to say, you know what? I'm not even going to bother. I'm not going to deal with him. Uh, you know, he changed the venue. He's not serious. Did he give them an out? Or was it enough to say, you know what? I'm going to bring him in and see what he can do. We'll find out. It's going to be interesting. Thanks for listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty podcast. Subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts.